Am I on now? Sorry. I probably don't need a mic. My daughter was like, what do you need a mic for? You talk loud anyway. Um, anyway, Memorial Day is a remembrance for us in the military, right, for all the people that have given their lives in sacrifice so that we can stand right here and worship God together freely. And so I just want to have that moment to say that this is a remembrance weekend for all of them, and that means a lot to me. I have now transitioned, obviously, from the U.S. military to God's army, um, and so that's really important. We're going to talk about that today, what is the work of God's army, um, and we're going to talk about it specifically through baptism. So I'm excited that Jasmine chose Psalm 91. We didn't talk about that. Psalm 91 is the soldier psalm. Um, and it is on my wall in my house. And it is a psalm that, that God reminds me of constantly, that if you will remain in my refuge, if you will rem remain under my wing, you will have all the benefit that I intended for you. And so um, as she was reading that, or as she was talking about that this morning, I remembered that just this idea that what if we just remembered that thought all the time, right? What if I just remained under the refuge of God? And we're going to talk about one of the, the ways that the Bible teaches us really specifically to remain in that refuge with God, and that is through baptism. And we're going to baptize next week, and I'm so excited about that. My daughter's going to be the first one in line next week to be in the baptismal, and she said, I want to be baptized, and I only want to be baptized at LMCC. This is what she considers her home and as far as church, and so... Um, so I'm really excited about that. We have a lot of other people who are going to be baptized. But I want to talk about what it means because we can tend to see baptism as a standalone event. We can tend to look at it as a standalone event, and it's not. If we look in the Bible, baptism was the first step in a whole lot of other things. It was the baptism and then. Um, and so I want to talk about that this morning because, listen, we're thinking, do I want to be baptized, right? That's an important question. We need to talk about that. Have I already been baptized? What does that mean to me? And then we need to talk about what it means to God for whether you choose to be baptized or whether you've already been baptized. There's a lot that, that, that baptism encompasses besides the act of up here being immersed in the water, which is incredibly important. But we want to talk about the baptism and then because the Bible always has the and then after the baptism. It's never a standalone event. Um, and it's an exciting event. It's an exciting event in people's lives, but really what happens after is so exciting too, and we tend to not look at that part. We tend to not talk about it. So we're going to talk about that today. Some of the last words that Jesus spoke to his disciples were this threefold instruction, and he said, make disciples, baptize those who believe, and teach them my commands. Right? So the baptism is a part of it, but then there's so much else to that. So what we're going to talk about today, as usual when I preach is, I give you something you're responsible for, right? Is as we baptize new members into our kingdom next week, you have responsibility to that. Our church family at LMCC has responsibility to that, to each other. And the ongoing growth of those people as well as the ongoing kingdom work. And so I want to set us in a, in a phase through this week where we're praying over that, not just for the people who are going to be baptized, but for what is our part in that? What is our role in that? Because it's incredibly important. We want to make sure that we know what that is and that we've prayed power into that. Um, we also baptize because it's modeled for us in the Bible. And I'm going to talk to you about what that looks like. We're going to talk about what baptism means biblically. Then what does it mean for you individually? And then what does it mean to you as a, as a community? And listen, I know we're coming out of a few weeks of really tragic circumstances in this country. And I understand that people are hurting and, and there's, we can't make sense of some of it. And so I'm going to talk to you about baptism and our kingdom work in the context of that today. We need to talk about what that looks like to be in the kingdom of God and what that looks like when tragedy happens around us. We are the messengers into that tragedy. So I've had a conversations with a lot of you all over the last few weeks of what do I do? What do I do? 
Well, we're going to talk about that today. Actually, we've talked about this before, and I don't mean to sound flippant, but the Bible tells us what to do in most situations if we go look, right? In most situations, it gives us a blueprint and a template, and usually we can go right to what Jesus did. If you're ever in doubt about where to look in the Bible to see what to do in any given circumstance, generally you can go right into the Gospels or right into the works of Paul or right into Acts and you can see what Jesus did. And that's where you'll find out what you need to do. So we're going to look at that today. If you've, been, if you've been baptized, I want you to think about what that means to you and re-look re, re at that time in your life when you made that decision to be baptized. And then if you haven't been baptized what the need is to be baptized. And it is a need. The Bible tells us it's a need. It's not a want. It's not a, 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 something that we do as sort of a, a show. It's a need that Jesus had real intent and purpose for. And so we're going to think about that. Listen, a lot of people have called me and said, hey, I want to be baptized, but I don't have it all cleaned up yet. I, I think I'm not ready. Listen, <laughs> that's the last thing Jesus wants is for you to clean it all up and then come to him. Right? We come to him so that he can help the cleaning process. That's the whole point of it. So if you're thinking about this baptism process and you're thinking, I'm not clean enough, I'm not good enough, I don't have it figured out enough, we're going to talk about in the Bible what that looks like. Because Jesus wants you to come as you are, and then he's going to get in and put all his power behind that to help in that process of bringing you into new life. That's the exciting part of all of it. So it's quite the opposite from I need to have it all cleaned up. You know, this is where you enter the training ground. This ushers you into all the resources and all the community and all the kingdom stuff that we want, all the things that God intended for us, all the things that Jesus had for us. So we're going to talk about what it means biblically, what it means to you individually, and then what it means for God's kingdom. So we're going to go through that stuff this morning, as well as talking about what it looks like in the midst of everything that's going on in the world. Christian baptism really symbolizes this idea that Christ died, he was buried, and he rose again. And it's much the same for us, right? We die to self. We die to the world. We are buried to self, and we have new life in Jesus Christ. You guys have heard that a thousand times. Anybody who's been in church for any amount of time has heard those words. That's exciting stuff, right? To get rid of the junk that the world has attached to you, to get rid of the junk that has happened to you, to get rid of the places where you feel shame and guilt and nastiness and ugliness, right? To be able to walk out of some of the ugliness of the world into this bright, glorious place where God says, I know that's all occurring, but this is what I have for you. I want us to look at these scriptures in a new way and say, what does it mean that I'm a new creature in Christ? We hear that all the time. What does that mean? And listen, the number one conversation I have with you all is I want to change, I want to change, I want to change. Here's where it starts, right? This is where Jesus said, I'll cleanse you of all the junk. You don't have to figure it out. You don't have to come up with a plan, right? We always do that. Well, I need, what if I do this modality or this thing over here or this thing over here? And I, I'm not saying like, hey, we'll, we'll put a lot of stuff against it. I understand that. I'm not saying not to do any of those things, but if we skip this, the rest of that stuff just slides right off, right? You have to be cleansed in Christ so that you give capacity to Christ so that then he can then fill you. And believe me, the stuff he's going to fill you with is way better than anything you're going to find anywhere else. I can promise you that. And we have to think about that, right? How do we do that? I was reading this story about way back in, in um, the early times when they would take cloth that was messed up, right, or had been misused or had been worn out. And they'd put it in a vat, and it would come out cleansed and different. 
and ready to be used again. It's the same idea with us. Don't worry about what has gone on. God has a plan for all of that. He'll take that, restore it, and bring you out into newness. So we need to think about it that it changes us into this newness, but the point of it is to change us into this very lit up, ignited follower of Christ. That's what we've been reading in Acts. For those of you guys that have been reading in Acts, I'm a total nerd about that book of the Bible because it talks about how this happens where they're baptized and then they're followers of Jesus and then, right? Like I said, and then there's all the work to be done. We have to look at the and then, then look at all the things that they're able to do. All the things, sorry, I'm I'm getting dry. All the things that come out of that place. Biblically, we see even in the early, in the Old Testament, we see these ritual cleansings and these places where you were required to be clean to go into the temple. There was these ritual cleansings that, that were allowed you to, to clean yourself from certain practices and things like that. And it was very important to the Jewish faith. There was water in the temple. And prior to approaching God, you cleansed yourself. We see that in the Old Testament. But, the, but most of the baptism as we know it and understand it occurs in the New Testament. And that's where we usually see most of the wording of baptism. The New Testament shows us John the Baptist baptizing in the Jordan to help people repent and become new in Christ. He's helping them wash away the old and become new. And, and he was asking them to change their ways. And we see Jesus baptized by John the Baptist in the Gospels. He goes and has baptized them. Uh, there by John. The book of Acts, right, which we're reading as a church right now, and we're having so much fun going through that, where we see it in Paul's story and throughout all the new believers, and we just, just continues to follow. They continue to preach it. It's an action for so many reasons. Paul just continues to preach the importance of baptism in all of his New Testament letters. So really, once we see it with John the Baptist there in the beginning portions of the Gospels, it, it is a theme throughout the entire rest of the New Testament. It is so important, and it's something that they talk about over and over. There's lots of places in the Bible where baptism is referenced, but we're going to get really specific about those places. The one place I do want to read to you about out of Ezekiel, it's an Old Testament reference, but I think it's an important place. It says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away and you will no longer worship idols. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. Um, It goes on to say, I will take out your old story, your stubborn heart, and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees. It's this idea of water being used as this cleansing mechanism in the Bible. We see it over and over. And we see it for lots of different reasons. The Old Testament talks about it there. But then when we get into the New Testament, it's talking about being renewed in Jesus. What did Jesus die for on the cross? And how do we take part in that renewal? Jesus Jesus died on the cross, was risen to cleanse us of our sins, to give us a place where we could come in and receive all the benefit of living a new life in him, in Christ, following him and abiding in him. We have to make the connection. They're not separate events. And so we have to connect those up to realize why why Jesus did that. So the baptism of Jesus is in Matthew 3. And it It's Jesus identifying with us, right? It's people were coming to John to repent of their sins because of their weakness. Thank you, Jason. So I don't um, croak up here. Thank you. I appreciate that. So Jesus was identifying with people as a human. He was identifying in that way with them and being touched because he understands what that looks like to need to be cleansed from the world. He came into a broken, hurting world. He walked around in a broken, hurt, broken, hurting world as a human. He offered himself completely to God in that act of baptism. It was an act of surrendering to God. 
For us, it's an act of surrendering our lives to God. Listen, a lot of people tell me, that sounds really scary, Marcy. I don't want to do that. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. There is no safer place to surrender yourself than into the presence of God. And if you've already been baptized, renewing that and saying, maybe I need to re-surrender. Listen, i got to surrender sometimes 500 times a day. Sometimes God's like, excuse me, you're off track again. You're off track again, right? We surrender over and over. But the baptism is that act publicly of saying, I surrender to you. And I may have to do it over and over and over, but I'm starting the process. I'm coming in and surrender. Jesus was doing the same thing during his baptism. He offered himself completely to God. But then, as we get saved and we confess Christ, the next step is obedience to his will, right? And so we then see Jesus preaching about obedience to God's will. Because the only way to abide, as we were singing earlier, to abide in Christ is to then obey his will. You can't surrender and abide in him and operate outside of his will. You will miss all the goodness and the kingdom will miss all the goodness through you. We have a responsibility when we get baptized. There's an and then. There's the second part. The will of God becomes our life. Jesus becomes our profession of faith. And then we start to have the sovereign mindset. We start to look at the world the way that Jesus looks at the world. Right? Who doesn't want to do that? Listen, in the midst of everything that's going on right now, we need some people looking at this world the way Jesus looked at the world and digging in, right? And going after loving on each other and going after taking care of each other, going after wrapping each other up in that love. We have to get after the work of God. And the Bible tells us that the first step in that is to be baptized. We are immersed, we are cleansed, and then we come out. If we've already been baptized, maybe we just need to recommit that portion of our spirit to say, God, I was baptized a long time ago. Maybe I understand it a different way now. The Spirit's got a hold of me in a different way, and I'm going to just recommit that thing. You can recommit it publicly, or we can recommit it in prayer. There's all kinds of ways to do that. But I want you to look at, if you haven't been baptized, the need for it. And if you have, how do we reignite the reason that you were baptized, what the Bible tells us about that? It's such an exciting thing. And it's, you know, it's such a dichotomy to be excited about something that we're going to do next week to the point where, like, I get goosebumps about it. I'm incredibly excited, right? Conversely, there's horrible things going on in the world right now. But listen, we're going to talk here in just a minute about the Bible and the way that the disciples followed Jesus and did his work in the midst of horrible things. They were not in a calm, peaceful place when they did God's work and they brought people to him and they brought them into the fellowship and following of God. They knew how important it was. It was the most important thing that they could do in the midst of everything that was going on. We have to be able to be the kingdom of God in the midst of the chaos. So what does it mean to do that? The impact of what Jesus was doing when he was baptized was so clear. It was an announcement to the world. I have come. I have defeated sin. I have defeated death. And now I'm going to give you the ability to do all that too. I'm going to transfer that power to you. Now you get to be my hands and feet in this kingdom. And through the power of baptism and through the power of cleansing, you then can defeat death and and the, the worldly death that occurs, spiritual death that occurs. And you can walk into this newness of life with me. That's exciting stuff. We have got to get back to these scriptures that we read over and over again and think, oh, I've heard that before. It's powerful stuff, and it's really the whole point of what God made us to do. Do my work. Cleanse yourself. Become new with me. Do the work that I put in front of you. Be the person 
who continues my kingdom work, who brings more people to me. Be a part of that, right? He gave all of that to us. It's exciting. We have this idea that if we're baptized, it's a standalone event, but it really means that you now belong to Jesus. He just took you in. Now you're right here standing with him with all the benefit and power and all the things that come from that. Who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want to stand right there with Jesus and have the benefit and power of all the things that he's doing and be able to do that work with him? I can't imagine why we would turn that down. Why we would say, but maybe that would be too hard or maybe I need to go and do this other thing. You know, we, we, in the military, you get this ID card, right? You come in, get this ID card, you think you're cool. I got an ID card, right? But it really means I'm part of. It means I'm now part of the family. And this family is going to train me, shepherd me, watch over me, love on me, stand next to me in the middle of the crap, right? The people to my left and right are going to defend me. It's such an important point to understand that this idea of following Christ gives you the card. You're in. All the benefit that you need comes from that. But also responsibility comes from that, That right? After they trained me and said, here's your card, here's the work that you have to do, I have responsibility. I'm part of that family, I'm part of that team, and I'm responsible for the growth of the people around me. I'm responsible to love them well, I'm, supp- I'm responsible to help them. I'm responsible to sharpen them, right? We have real responsibility of followers of Christ. We have to take it seriously. This world needs it. They need us to take that seriously and to get in there and be a follower of Christ and get after that kingdom work. We get all the benefits, but we also get the responsibility. And listen, I I don't know how many of you all have really thought about it, but if you're in a job interview and the boss is going to be God, I'm in. Right? I'm in. Here's the work I want you to do, I'm taking you under my employment. I'm going to give you everything you need. I'm going to give you all the benefit and the equipping and the power, and you're going to do my work. You're part of my kingdom army. You're part of my work. Who's turning that job down? Maybe somebody's pretty, pretty <laughs> audacious, but I don't think I'm telling God, eh, I'm going to see if something better comes along. Let me check and see if I get a different job offer, right? What better work is there to do than that than to be part of the kingdom of God? How do we do that? Right? The, the Spirit will come on us. And part of this baptism, and I'm going to read this to you in the Bible here in a few minutes. The, the, spirit, the baptism comes and we're cleansed. And part of that cleansing opens capacity. And then, as we've been preaching about for the last few weeks, the Holy Spirit comes. And he takes up residence. And he starts to lead you and guide you and give you the things that you need. Because you've opened capacity and scope for him. And he starts to take up residence in you. I promise you, you want him to take up residence in lieu of the things that you've allowed to take up residence in your heart. I guarantee you that. Because all of you that tell me you're sad and fearful and depressed and upset and lonely and anxious and all of these things, what is taking up residence in your heart? We have to think about it, right? Where is Jesus? Where is his spot in there? Because when he gets to take up residence, the Holy Spirit gets to have access to all those places, And then we're filled with what we need because people say to me, I know what you're saying. I understand there's kingdom work. I don't understand how to do it. The Holy Spirit does. He understands completely, and it's why Jesus gave him to us. And the Holy Spirit will start to inform those places if we'll pay attention. If we'll start to have a kingdom mindset, we'll start to pay attention to those places, right? We're part of the family. Some of you all, you know, understand this this cultural importance of family, right? Right? We have to look at ourselves 
as kingdom family, we have responsibility to each other. It's important. You don't just come to church. You don't just go to community group. You have responsibility over the people that you're with. They have responsibility over you. It's the way God set it up. In Acts 2, and we've been reading through Acts. We're in, in 10 through 12 now. And Man, if they could make Acts into a movie, I think we'd all just be riveted, right? Because it's crazy what goes on in the, that book of the Bible. It's crazy. People say to me, the Bible's so boring. Baloney. You need to get in there and read the book of Acts. There is nothing boring about it. Power, power, power over and over in the middle of adversity, in the middle of death, in the middle of destruction. Power over and over and over. It's one of the most exciting books in the Bible. It's really exciting. And next Sunday is Pentecost. And so we saw that early in the book of Acts. We see this idea of the baptism, Peter preaching and him saying, each of you repent of your sins, turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus to show that you've received forgiveness. And to be clear, repent, turn to God and be baptized. Peter says it again. And after the baptism, then the Holy Spirit comes down and fills everyone with what they need to then, right, the baptism and then to go forward. That's exciting stuff. This was the earliest parts of the church where Peter was preaching and God was falling down on the crowd and they were being filled and receiving right there, right in that moment. God doesn't need you to be in any specific spot at any specific time. He will come and fill whenever he can get to you, whenever you'll open that capacity. But that's what we see in that very first part of Acts. It, the book opens with this incredible experience with God that we are going to have next Sunday in this church on Pentecost, immersing people in this water and saying, you are new. Look at what God has for you. Look at, what you, look at what's next. And we're going to rally around that and shore that up. That's what we're supposed to do, right? Individually, we encounter a time of celebration as we're baptized. We encounter this time of humility, of surrender to God. We encounter a time of repentance. We have to remove the world. We have to remove the things that the world's told us were what we needed and what we should be doing and listen to what God tells us we need and what we should be doing. That's an active process. The idea of repentance, repentance means I change and go the other direction. We have to change that. So it's not just repenting for the sin or the disobedience. It's then changing direction and going a different way. There's another part to it. We often just do the one part and we miss the benefit of the second part. We have to think about that. It's a time of belonging to a new family. The kingdom of God where you have purpose. You were created to occupy space in the kingdom of God. You were not created to occupy space in this world. You were supposed to be of the world, not in the world, right? You were occupied, you were, you were made to occupy space at the feet of your God. And I've told you guys this before, we don't go occupy that space enough. We occupy all kinds of other spaces, but listen, you have a place with your name on it. It's right there. Nobody else gets to sit in that place. It's all for you. Why would you not want to occupy that space, right? And then we have a time after we're baptized where we ask for a filling of the gifts of the Holy Spirit so we can walk new in this new purpose with God. What's my role in the kingdom? What do I do? It doesn't mean you have to be a preacher or a minister or a, a youth leader. It means what's your role wherever you are, in your family, in your workplace, on the subway, with the people around you in every interaction, what's your role? You have one. I hear people tell me all the time, I don't have a role. Bull. The Bible tells you you do have a role. We have to ask for it and pay attention to it, right? You do have a role. Some of y'all thought I was going to say a different word when I said bull, didn't you? 
I'm not quite that dumb. I won't do that. Um, listen, there's a, I read a story about a guy who said, it, it was a, a news crew was talking to him after a hurricane had gone through Florida. I just think this is really interesting. And his house was the only one standing. In the midst of all the chaos, his house is standing. And this news crew goes up to him and says, sir, why is your house the only one standing? And he says, and they said, how did you manage to escape the severe damage that has wrecked everybody else? Everything else is a shambles. People's lives are wrecked. How did you manage that? And he said, I built the house myself. I built it according to a code. I, I did exactly what the code said. Because, it, because the code told me if I did that, I would withstand the hurricane. And I, I did that. And I guess no one else followed the code. But now I'm going to offer for them to come into my house. Because I built my house according to the code. The code is right here. Build your house here. And when the people around you haven't been able to do that, bring them in to your house and show them how you did it. How did I get my house built on the code so that when the hurricane and destruction comes, I'm not devastated by it? I still have something standing there and I can continue to do God's work, right, in the midst of that. Jesus knows that you'll need to follow his commands and you'll need him to be involved in that work. He understands that. That's why he gives himself to us so completely willingly. It's, it's ne he never holds back on us at all, right? To call Jesus Lord means that you're calling him the leader of everything. He has taken over your life, right? So then the community comes in. We've, we've, we've individually been baptized, and then the community comes in, and we have an outward sign of each other's commitment to each other. I see you, you see me, we're in the same family, right? We have the card. What are we going to do, right? What do we now need to do? We have responsibility to shepherd and love and lead each other into deeper relationship with God and deeper relationship with each other. The book of Acts shows it to us over and over and over, how they're uniting as a people, as a follower of God, not to close the doors and sit together, but to bring that word out and to continue to shepherd and love each other so that they're equipped to continue the work and to go out and bring more people to God. We take an oath next week as a congregation during the baptism to the person being baptized you got to listen to it because you're taking an oath to God and you're saying you're going to shepherd and love on this person who's about to be immersed. And there's responsibility in that. It's the best kind of responsibility. Listen, I've had a million different kinds of responsibility in my life. I'm an old woman. This is the best kind of responsibility. This is the best kind of responsibility to then be responsible for the growth of someone in God's kingdom, to be responsible for spreading that news throughout God's kingdom. Who doesn't want to do that, right? What better work is there for us to do? It's how the church was united as we read Acts. It's how they came together. They became a family. In a way, some of them had never had been before, and then they spread the good news. It was important. You know, I know that we've been seeing tragedy and pain all around us. I get it, right? Some of that happened right where I'm sitting in Texas. Um, we've been seeing this pain all around. The early church did too. They were in the midst of famines. They were, watched Stephen be stoned to death by people that were supposed to protect him. He was stoned to death by Jewish leadership who was supposed to protect him, but they were fearful and they operated from fear. The early church was persecuted and put in prison and chased and drug out of their homes and killed. Acts is a book of power and restoration and destruction and pain. It's all right there together, and I know that we're seeing that in our world right now. I understand that, and I've had a lot of people talk to me this week about, what do I do? It's too much to handle. It's too much to think about, and I get that. 
I, I totally understand that. And I've asked God this week, what, what, do I, what do I do? What do I do in the midst of this, right? How do I explain to my nine-year-old what happened in Uvalde, Texas, right? Jordan and I were on the 4-5 platform in Times Square last night, and I'm pretty sure a guy got killed five feet from us last night by someone else hitting them with a, a speaker. I'm pretty sure he died. But there's pain and ugliness everywhere, all around us. So last night I'm sitting in a hotel room explaining to my child why that happened. And I, and I cry out to God on your behalf and on those people's behalf, my child's behalf, what do we do? God said to me, I need you to go in here and I need you to look at what they did in here. And in the midst of destruction and pain and death, they continued to spread the good news of God. They continued to fight the fight, right? We were in prayer this morning and Jason Lee said, there's no victory without battle. That's true. We have to battle. We have to come out in kingdom battle. We have to line up shoulder to shoulder as the church and come out in kingdom battle to show the good news to people living in this broken, ugly world. Right? We've got to think about what that looked like for the people here. I want to read you a little bit out of Acts. There's a few scriptures in here that, that I think speak to this really well. We, we went through the, the chapter 9 in Acts, which is Saul's conversion to Paul. And then we get so much benefit from that as he then writes the rest of the New Testament. Or a lot of the rest of the New Testament. Not all of it, but a lot of it, right? And, and it talks about Saul is seen on the road to Damascus. God approaches him. He has this great encounter he goes blind. They have to take him to Damascus and help him because he's now in the midst of transformation. And it says, all at once, the crusty substance that was over Saul's eyes disappears and he could see perfectly. There was no confusion. There was no confusion about what he was supposed to do and what he was there for. The crusty substance came off that the world had put there and he could see perfectly. Immediately, he got up and was baptized. Nothing else happened. Immediately, I get up and I'm baptized. I'm cleansed, right? I get all the junk off. Saul was one of the worst perpetrators of the horrible things that went on against Christian people in this time. He gets up, he's cleansed. He comes out, he gets something to eat. His strength returns. And within the hour, he was preaching about Jesus and proclaiming Jesus as the son of God. The work goes on immediately. The best thing we can do as a church is get up in the midst of the ugly and the nasty and preach the good news of God. You have the answer. You have it. Give it away. Tell somebody. Tell the person next to you in Starbucks. Tell the person next to you at work. When you see the sadness, bring God into those places. How else are we ever going to recover as a people from the horrible things that go on? The only way is to bring God into that in restoration and in peace. We can't change the ugliness in some cases. Now, there's other things that need to be done, and I'm not... You can talk to me about that offline if you want to, if you want to debate that with me. I will. But we're just talking about from the, from the purpose of God, continue to love. Continue to get up close next to the people of his kingdom. Right? What can I give to you? What peace can I offer you? What prayer can I offer you? What hug can I offer you? What can I do? How can I usher in the peace of God to you? I built my house up to code. Come in. Come into my house and reap the benefit of the Jesus that I serve. The peace that he brings to us. We have to do it. It's incredibly important. 
There's one other place in, in Paul's story where it talks about Saul escaping and people are chasing him because they're fearful of him, right? He was, he was someone that, that they feared. And it says after he went back to Damascus and he shows himself to the believers, he does this public declaration of I am now Jesus' follower, right? And, then it, and I love this verse. It says, after this, the church went all over Judea and Galilee and Samaria. And if you read back into the Gospels, you'll see why those were crazy places for them to be going to preach this word, right? They were going to these crazy places to do this. The congregations grew larger and larger and the believers were empowered, encouraged by the Holy Spirit. They worshiped God in awe and wonder. In the midst of all the crap that's going on, worship God in awe and wonder and let people around you see it. Let it bleed off onto them. That's what we have to do. And love in only a way that God can love. See people in the way God sees them. Love on them in that way. Right? Nothing is unclean if God declares it to be clean. Acts 9, 9, uh, 10 tells it, 10, I'm sorry, 10, 15 tells us that. Nothing is unclean if God declares it to be clean. Get in there, be part of that process. We have a lot of unclean junk running around in this world. And the only thing you can do is be a cleansing source in the place that you are. That's what you can do. Get involved in it, right? The last place I want to read out of this part of Acts is because this is so important as we get into next Sunday. And we th- I want us to think about this week as a church, as a family. You all have the card, right? We're in. We're a family. Let's pray for each other this week as we think about it. And let's think about baptism next week and the fact that we're going to have some people immersed and come out as these clean beings. But also this church has responsibility to move forward. And one of the things we need to do is have the Holy Spirit fall upon us individually and collectively so we can do the work of God. And we see that over and over in Acts where the Holy Spirit comes and he fills his people and he gives them what they need and empowers them. And so in in, uh, chapter 10... Verse 38, it says, when Peter was speaking, the Holy Spirit cascaded over all those listening to his message. That's going to be my prayer this week, that the Holy Spirit will cascade over every one of us. That he will fill and fall on us, right? How could anyone object? Peter says this. How could anyone object to these people being baptized? For they have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. And he instructed them to be baptized in the power of the name of Jesus. You serve a powerful, powerful God. And he gives you some of that power. Some of that is directly given to you. We've got to figure out what we do with that. Let's pray. Lord, we're grateful that we get to see your scripture and your words and your commands to your people in a time not unlike where we're living today, in a time of unrest, in a time of pain, a time of tragedy. And what you want us to know is is that your power has not been diluted at all, that there's been no change to your ability to love us and to take care of us and to keep us in your refuge. And that all you ask of us is that we spread that word that we become part of your kingdom family and your army and that we battle with you. That's all you ask of us. Lord, I ask that the Holy Spirit would fall on every member of this church, that we would see our role, not in the four walls of this church, but outside of it. How do we love on your kingdom well? You know, as I asked you this week, God, what do I do? You said, go and take care of my people, give them my news. 
That's what you've told us to do as, as your people. Go and give them the good news. Keep bringing them to me. Keep making sure they see my power and the benefit of me. Never let up. Just as the disciples in Acts did, they never let up. They kept going in the midst of persecution, in the midst of famine, in the midst of all these places. God, you gave them the energy and the equipping to continue over and over and over. Even when their leaders were imprisoned, even when things seemed extremely uh, bad for them, you let them continue. Lord, we want to be part of that. We ask that you commission us just as Jesus commissioned his disciples. What is our work? Lord, we, we love you. We praise you. We stand in awe of you. We stand in awe of your creation and the power that your creation has when we put it all together and work into your, your kingdom. We ask for continued equipping, continued wisdom. Help us to love each other well. Help us to see each other the way you see us. Lord, I lift these people up to you. They are the most important thing to you. I ask that you give us power to care for them, to understand them and to bring them into your kingdom deeper and deeper as we go. Lord, we ask all this in your son's holy name. Amen.